Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And again, if you have the bullet and you're saying, oh, he's messing around with me. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. We just read the narrative of the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus. What is the next scene that unfolds? We find it in Revelation chapter 5 because what we find in Revelation chapter 5 is that he, the Holy One, God the Father, is seated on his throne and in his right hand he has a scroll rolled up. And it is sealed with seven seals. This is in fulfillment of a prophecy made in 1400 B.C. in Deuteronomy 32, where you have all the judgments that God is going to pour out to bring Israel to restoration. That's what we're going to see happen. And who is it that breaks the seals, makes those things happen? in order to bring Israel to restoration, to being welcomed into the presence of God again, after having said to Pontius Pilate, let his blood be upon us and upon his children, Jesus of Nazareth prevails. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing.'" 
and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Our Lord, we ask that you would disclose to us the fullness of this mystery, the fullness of this declaration that we may become deeper and deeper and more consistent worshipers and obeyers of you. In your name we pray. Amen. We read the Luke narrative of the suffering of Jesus. All of the things done physically that we that could be seen with human eyes. The jamming of the crown of thorns down on his head, the ripping of the flesh off of his back by the Roman soldiers as they whipped him. It was designed to actually pull the, the skin away. And it succeeded. The beating of his face by the soldiers of Herod Antipas the humiliation by the Roman soldiers as they jammed that crown of thorns down in his head. They also put a purple robe on his shoulders because that's the royal color. He's the king of the Jews. And then the Roman soldiers mocked him and false worship, mocking worship. And then he is so decrepit because of all that he's endured physically as he's carrying his cross to Calvary. The word we translate in Luke's gospel, we translate at Calvary is the Greek word kranion, the cranium. It's the place of the skull because it's a mountain, it's a hill that has the configuration of a human skull. That's where he's going to be crucified along with those two thieves just outside the gate of Jerusalem. Oh, you can't, you can't kill these people inside the gate because that would defile the camp. That would defile the city. And so, uh, especially with Passover coming, you know, we've we got to keep the religious niceties in place. So he will be crucified along with those two men outside the gate. Yes, we have to keep the religious, you know, things in place. We can't displease God by our ritual uncleanness. Now, murder, that, we, can, we, can, we can deal with that. They had to recruit Simon of Cyrene. By the way, we're told in, Ma, in Ma, Mark's gospel, oh, this is the father of Alexander and Rufus. You know those fellows who are so well-known in our Christian community? Do you suppose it was the sovereignty of God that grabbed this? Cyrene is or Cyrene, depends on who you ask. It's on the North African coast, west of Egypt. This guy's come a long way to worship in Jerusalem, and he gets grabbed by the Roman soldiers to carry Jesus' cross. And his two sons become famous disciples, named in Mark's gospel. Carries the cross for Jesus. And there on on, on the cranium, Hill, 
the place of the skull, Jesus is crucified with these two men. And at noon, he's put on that cross about nine in the morning. At noon, an unnatural darkness comes over the earth. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for the next three hours, there is this unnatural darkness. And then it becomes very dark, very, very dark, just at the end. And he cries out, it is finished. The veil of the temple is torn in two. I'm bringing things in from, Mark, from John's gospel. And then he dismisses his spirit into the hands of the Father. And he goes to paradise. And it's not long after that, well, just minutes after that, because his legs have been broken, that the spirit of that one man crucified with him joins him in paradise. But then Jesus comes out of the tomb. We know from the gospel accounts, the Romans, at the request of the Jewish high leadership, high priests, Pilate's stationed Roman soldiers there. Because that deceiver Jesus said he was going to rise. Got to stop that from happening. They remembered it, but the disciples didn't. So they put a Roman seal on it. The lives of those Roman soldiers is forfeit if that seal gets broken. But what happened? An angel flashing lightning came down and rolled the stone away, and they all fainted. And Jesus' body disappeared. And so they ran to the high priest and this is what we saw. We saw an angel flashing lightning come down and roll the stone away, and we fainted. And okay, well, we'll save your lives. We'll, inter inter we'll intercede with Pilate to save your lives because that seal was broken. But this is the story you're supposed to, while we were dead asleep. Well, if you were asleep, how do you know what happened? But that's the best story that came up. While you, we were asleep, his disciples came and rolled the stone away, which weighed a, at least a ton rolled the stone away while we continued to sleep and stole his body. So the stupidity of saying what happened while they were asleep is compounded by the fact that these guys did, disciples supposedly did what was an incredibly difficult thing to do while they continued to sleep, which they weren't allowed to do. You lose your life for that. But they didn't. And then they just spread this false story. But Jesus rose from the dead, appeared to his disciples, and 40 days later, the number of testing, 40 days later, they stood on the Mount of Olives and watched as Jesus ascended into heaven. He's in heaven. And he's about to come and fulfill the rest of the prophecies stated about him in the Hebrew Scriptures. And here is this scroll created and disclosed to us as having been created. As John writes this, this is almost the end of the first century. This is about 93 AD. He's writing about something disclosed in 1400 BC, almost 1500 years before. These seals, these events that would take place that are said to be sealed up in Deuteronomy 32. Here's the scroll, it's sealed, and it's these seven things mentioned in Deuteronomy 32. And Jesus 
qualifies himself to break open those seals and unroll the scroll. How? What qualified him? We're coming to the Lord's table. This is what it should be in our head as we come to the Lord's table. Revelation 5, 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, excuse me, back up to verse 6, and I looked and behold, there in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. What did John the Baptist say? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, let me ask you guys, let me ask you, how many of us would like to be uh, likened to a lamb? That's not very masculine. That's not very manly. That's likened to a lamb. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, those perfect lambs that would be taken and sacrificed. The firstborn male lamb of every ewe was to be sacrificed to God. Here is the Lamb of God who in his sacrifice is actually accomplishing something. All of those millions of lambs that had been sacrificed in the temple and before that in the tabernacle, what effect was it? It was the same effect as the Lord's Supper. We come to the Lord's table and we eat this bread and we drink this cup in remembrance of him. Those sacrifices, millions of lambs and kid goats and bulls were looking forward. They had no effect in themselves at all. In fact, the Hebrew scriptures are very clear. Those animal sacrifices were only good for cleansing people from ritual sin. You read Numbers chapter 15. It's only things done by accident, like walking across a grave that made you ritually unclean. You could go and those sacrifices, but for deliberate sin, for presumptuous sin, as it says in Numbers 15, things you do on purpose, oh, there is no sacrifice for that. (laughs) That's what I need help with. Except Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice addressed our real need. Those millions of lambs and kid goats and bulls that were slain were, what an enormous expense. What's that compared to the cost of heaven and sending the Son of God to bear human sin? It's not even pocket change. God emptied his pockets. He emptied heaven's treasury when he sent God the Son to become a man so that as that perfect man, combined with being true God of true God, he is true man of true man, joined together in one person, he is that one who carries so much value in himself that he is of greater, heavier weight and value than the entire human race. And so he can bear the weight of our sin. And in being judged, 
by God, his Father, on that cross. That's why it became dark in the middle of the day. Why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His Father and God the Holy Spirit, my God, my God, were not only forsaking him, he was being judged in the invisible realm by them. For the first time in all of eternity and for the last time in all of eternity, the second person of the Godhead, the Trinity, was out of fellowship, out of place with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as he took our sin upon himself. What did Jesus say in that most famous of all New Testament verses? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him just say okay God I want that holds out an empty hand okay God I want that you get it should not perish but have, have, have as a present possession right now everlasting life. Verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, and golden bowls full of incense. This is the 24 elders, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us, bought us back, bought us to God by your blood. And the blood of Christ is really a word that is meant to capture all of the suffering that that blood is an emblem for. You've redeemed us to God out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings. You know, we're not there by the skin of our teeth. Jesus doesn't just barely get us into heaven. He doesn't just barely get us into the throne room of his Holy Father. He, his work is so powerful that by his mercy, by his grace, by his provision, we can walk into God's holy throne room. Yeah, I belong here. Because of what Jesus did for me, I belong here. He has made me holy. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm tell you, personal testimony. I'm not holy. Left to myself, I am not holy. But what Jesus accomplished for me and for everybody else on the planet, all those who simply hold out that empty hand and say, I want that. You become holy. As holy as God is holy before God and so you can stand there boldly but not in a boldness that rises from your performance a boldness that rises from Jesus performance 
He got it done. And he made us kings. Not just peasants to work out in heaven's fields. He made us kings. We will share Jesus' authority throughout his eternal kingdom. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Kings and priests. What's a priest? A priest in the Old Testament system that was set up by God, it was spoken of and described by and set up through his prophet Moses. The priest was the guy, the high priest was the guy who could walk into the Holy of Holies once a year. He could walk into the presence of God and not be killed. And not be killed. Anybody else? You're dead. If he goes in and makes a mistake, he's dead. That's why he had bells on the bottom of his rope. So if they stopped hearing the bell, if they heard a big thud and the bell stopped ringing, they had a rope tied around his ankle and they could actually drag him out because nobody's going in after him. They could drag him out. But we can walk in without bells on our robes because there is no threat. Jesus has removed all of the threat. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then in verse 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And so we come to the Lord's table to commemorate the accomplishment of Jesus done for us. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, the new arrangement made between yourselves and God, accomplished by what? By my sacrifice for you. And so we are in this worship act, in this worship act, we are worshiping God and declaring before God, we believe the reality of what is declared in the Bible that what Jesus, your son, did was effective for us.